great to uh, see you all this morning and uh, to be out here. Um, this morning, I've got to warn you, this is going to be a rough Sunday for me. Um, and if you could turn me down there a little bit, Josh, we're getting a little ring in there. Um, and I will cry. Um, and please, uh, if it gets too extreme, just tell me to quit and I'll walk off. Um, Anyway, we want to be in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, starting in verse uh, 16. John chapter 6 and verse 16. And the sermon this morning is entitled, Jesus Changes Everything. Jesus Changes Everything. John chapter 6 and verse 16 says this. When evening had come, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. And when they had rowed back about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming to the boat, and they were afraid. But Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid, for it is I. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Let's pray this morning. God, we come before you this morning, and uh, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to come together and to open up your word and learn from it. God, I just pray that you'll be with us this morning, that we'll have open hearts and open minds to what your word uh, is going to say to us this morning. And God, I pray that you'll just keep me out of the way and let your word do all the talking. But God, this morning, I pray that if there's somebody here that needs to get their life right with you, whether that's giving their life to you or repenting of the things that they've done, God, I pray that this morning would be the time that they do that. God, I just thank you so much for your blessings, and I thank you for another day of life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I started working on this sermon on Monday, and um, I come here to the church, and this may be a little weird, but when I come here... I write my sermon out, and I get up here, and I practice preaching it. And uh, it was already hard enough to do that, um, some of the things I want to talk about this morning. Uh, but like Brent mentioned, um, Thursday night when we got that news, that made it even more harder, because I thought, you know, if she could be here to hear the sermon on the storms of life and how to overcome it, that may have been a different outcome. And so, like I said, this morning may be a little rough, but just bear with me. It was late evening, near dark, when the disciples finally embarked in a boat and began rowing towards the western shoreline. They, they seemed to have been in no hurry to leave Jesus when he had constrained them earlier to leave him, back in Mark chapter 6 and verse 45. And as they rowed, darkness enveloped them and the winds uh, began to blow violently, and the waves pitched and tossed him around in the sea. And people have described the storms of the Sea of Galilee as some of the most violent storms in nature. The sea, geographically, is surrounded uh, by mountains. And so this, the Sea of Galilee is basically a huge bowl. And when the winds began to sweep down into the bowl-like sea, violent sea storms are the result. 
The disciples had left the eastern shore about dusk, uh, 6 or 7 o'clock in the evening, and now it was about 3 or 4 a.m. in the next morning. Matthew chapter 14, 25 tells us that, that it was the fourth watch. Their prog- progress was so slow that they had only rowed about three miles in nine hours. It's pretty slow. And they were about midway between the shores of the Sea of Galilee, which is approximately six miles wide. And this is the part that I think is the most important. Mark chapter 6, 45, uh, um, 47 through 50 tells us this, but I'm not going to jump over there, but it tells us that Jesus saw their predicament and came to them walking on the sea. Jesus walked up to them, and when they saw him, they thought they were seeing a ghost. And so they literally cried out in terror. But before we kind of smile or smirk at their superstitions of seeing a ghost out on the water, just put yourself in their shoes because you probably would have done the same thing. Jesus had come close enough to be recognized by them, and he shouts out, Do not be afraid, for it is I. We all go through storms in life, each and every one of us. I'm only 19, getting ready to turn 20 this year, and I've, I haven't been through as worse as some people have, but I think I've been through a decent amount. It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. I hate it. I wish I could wake up every day and everything would be nice and peachy, smile on my face, and that's how it went. But as you know, it's not what it's like. And this morning, maybe you can relate to what's being said. You may be in a storm right now. You may have just gotten out of a storm, or you may not even know it, but you could be going into a storm. And so this morning... Please listen to what he's trying to say to us. I want to share with you one of the first storms that I ever went through. Now, um, I was raised in the church, uh, Christian parents, and I am extremely blessed for that. Um, And, you know, life as a kid was pretty good, right? Kids, they don't really seem to understand what's going on and things like that. So, you know, life was was pretty good for us. Well, in um, 2015, um, I was up in Michigan at men's camp, me and my brother, and uh, we get a phone call from my parents. And they said, hey, we wanted to call and tell you that uh, your grandmother is uh, in the hospital. And so, you know, that's kind of something that you don't want to hear when you're... uh, eight hours away because you can't be there and so luckily it was at the end of our trip so we got done and we got to go back and visit her in the hospital but at this point my uh, grandmother had been battling a four-year battle with breast cancer and uh, she had beaten it about three times before and this time uh, it had come back and you know I just thought it was like the other times where you know she Fought it, and she'd get over it, and that'd be it. But this time, it was a little different. The, uh, the cancer had spread throughout her body, and, and uh, she was in her final months on the earth. And so my parents, um, 
decided that it would be a good idea for grandma to move into us or move in with us. And so uh, one of the neat things that I think that my family does is uh, when I was back home, we would all go into mom and dad's room and sit on the bed at night and we'd all talk with one another. And I remember uh, it was the day before grandma was going to get out of the hospital. They set us down and they told us, they said, hey, would you guys mind if grandma moved in for us or with us for a little while? That way we can take care of her and watch over. And, you know, I thought it was a great idea because she was my best friend and she was something else. She was only about that tall, um, sweet as could be. She never met a stranger. And so I, I, I love the idea. Well, little did I know that these next six months were going to be some of the hardest that our family would have to face. With the pressure of chemo treatments and radiation twice a week and doctor's appointments in between that, and driving back and forth to Cincinnati about 40 minutes to do so. And unfortunately, um, the relationship uh, between my dad and his sisters uh, wasn't the best. And so it was rough on us. And it was hard on my parents. And looking back now, um, the courage that uh, my parents faced through that was just amazing. And it inspires me uh, to this day. But I remember one night, me and my dad got into it. I was about 13 years old, and so, you know, I like picking fights. And me and my dad got into it, and, uh, you know, I said some things that I probably shouldn't have and ended up getting in trouble for it. And so I did what any 13-year-old boy would do. I went up to my room and cried my eyes out on my bed. And uh, I remember going to my room and, and laying down there crying on my bed. And, and my grandmother walks in. And uh, she comes over and sits down on the bed, and she stuck her hand um, on me, and she says, Levi, always remember that it's nice to be nice. That's what she always says. It's nice to be nice. And I thought in my mind, how in the world can you say that? Here you are. You've battled cancer for three years. The life that you uh, had before she had to work three jobs to support three kids because her husband went off and left her. And then she eventually finds my grandfather and they have my dad at an old age. And so it's rough for someone who's older to raise a child. And so I thought, how in the world can you say that? It's nice to be nice. When the world has been so bad to you, how can you say that? I didn't understand it. But the thing that I loved about that woman the most was her love for God. Like I said, we'd go to Cincinnati a couple times a week for cancer treatments and things like that, but she always had a smile on her face. She knew that some of the people that were there would be the last time that they'd step foot in that doctor's office, whether that was to beat the cancer or the doctor telling them that there's nothing more that they can do. And she'd always pray for people while she was there. She'd always tell them about Jesus, and I didn't understand it. How in the world? You're in the same situation that they are. How? Well, January rolls around 2016, and uh, she had been going downhill pretty bad. And uh, it was January 5th, it was on a Tuesday. We were at home, and uh, mom and dad called us kids up into the bedroom in the afternoon, and they set us down and they told us, they said, if there's anything that you'd like to say 
Now is the time to do it because I don't think she'll make it through the night. And so that was hard for me to hear because, like I said, she was my best friend. And I didn't want to lose my best friend. And so I kind of ran away from the fact all day. I never went into a room to see her. All my other siblings did, and my parents sat in there the whole morning and uh, throughout the day. And I just kind of stayed out in the living room and did my own thing. So night came, it was about 8 or 9 o'clock, and uh, my mom walks out of uh, my grandma's room, and she says, hey, um, if you could, play a couple songs on the piano uh, so grandma can relax and things like that. She's pretty worked up right now. Uh, she don't know what's going on, and so if you could, just play a couple songs. I said, yeah, sure, whatever. And so I'm going through there and playing some songs, and um, did that for about 30 minutes. And then I stumbled across a song, and as I began to play it, the words began to resonate through my mind. It was page number 62, Take My Hand, Precious Lord. It says, When my way groweth drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry and hear my call. Hold my hand lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, and let me stand. I'm tired, and I'm weak, and I'm worn. And through the storm and through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. So after I got done playing that song, I ran as fast as I could upstairs in my bedroom. And I got on my knees, and I prayed, and I begged God not to take my best friend. And I couldn't help but think, but ask God, you know, just keep her till I graduate high school. It's only a couple more years away. And if she can see me graduate, then I'll be happy. And I got to thinking, you know, maybe if she's there for me to graduate college, it'd be a good thing. If she's there on my wedding day to watch me marry the most beautiful woman in the world, that'd be great. So I sat there, and I began to get angry with God. I said, God, don't take my best friend from me. And so I finally calmed down enough, and I told myself, you know what, you're going to have to go down there eventually. You're going to have to face the fact. And so I walked downstairs and I sit there by her bedside and stuck my hand up on a rail and she reaches up and grabs my hand. And I couldn't help but think of the godly legacy that this lady taught me. She taught me so many things. Things that I still use to this day and try to tell other people about. And unfortunately that night, about 3 a.m., I lost my best friend. But I knew that she wasn't in pain anymore. And so for the next couple months, I really struggled. 
in my spiritual walk. I couldn't help but question God. You know, like I said before, that's what we do when times get rough. The first thing we do is we want to blame God for everything. Because it's the easy thing to do, right? It's easy to blame God for something. It's all His fault. It's not my fault. It's not nobody else's fault. It's God's fault. We all do it. I was depressed, anxious. I'd sleep until 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It was rough. So it came time for camp, uh, which is in June 2016. Normally I look forward to going to camp because I get to see all my friends and it's a week long with them. Uh, But this year I just wasn't feeling it. And so I got stuck on a tribe with some people that I knew my whole life. Noah, I thought he was a, a weird kid. He was very rambunctious. I got stuck on a tribe with him, and I thought, oh, great. And Faith, which Faith, she would always give me a nasty look, which now I know that it's just a look that she gives people. And so I wasn't real excited for it. But I tell you what, when I was in the middle of the storm, no place, no land to be seen, the sea is tossing, and I'm scared to death, Jesus comes walking out. Not physically. Jesus didn't come walking into my life at that point. But I firmly believe that God sent me two of the most amazing people that I could ask for. And that's Faith and Noah. And for the past five years, we've run around with one another and done some stupid things. But they were there for me when I needed them the most. When I was questioning things, they were there to help me through that. And for the past five years, they have been there for me. Right? Being a teenager, right? Life's hard. We go through a lot. Moving up here was a big one for me. They were there for me when that happened. Two breakups this year. They were there for me for that. And they're still there for me. And this weekend, like I said, I I wasn't too eager to preach this sermon. And so I went up there this weekend and I told them what I was going through. and They were there for me still. And I know they will be. And this morning, if you're in the middle of that sea, and the storm is blowing, the sea is tossing, and you're scared to death and there's no place around and you know for sure you're going to die in the middle of this storm, Just look up, and you'll see Jesus. And I think it's funny, too, how a lot of times we leave Jesus out on the bank, right? And we think, oh, you know what? I can cross the sea by myself. It's going to be okay. And then we get out there, and you go, oh, can't do it. Right? I know a lot of times when we're up on that mountain, we kind of forget about Jesus, right? We kind of forget about all the blessings that he's given us. We think, you know what? I'm good. But once we hit that low point... We think, man, what in the world did I do? Where's Jesus at? And we start thinking about our relationship, or at least I do, of the things that I need to work on to get closer to Jesus. And in the back of my Bible, I wrote this down. I said, on my worst day, or on my best day, 
Let me never forget how bad I needed Jesus on my worst day. This year has been tough for a lot of us, or this past year. 2020 was tough on us with COVID. It was a storm. Early last year, my dad got COVID and almost lost him. And I thank God that he spared him because it really allowed me to work on my relationship with my dad and to grow closer and for my dad to grow closer with Jesus. February, I thought I was going to die just at school and started feeling real funny, so I asked my teacher if I could step outside for a little bit. And by the time I got to my car, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't talk, and my left side was going numb. And so I called my mom, and she couldn't understand what I was saying, and about time she did, she could hear me mumble the words, I'm having a stroke. And then the phone went silent. And so I sit there in my car, waiting for somebody to come out here. And I remember looking out the windshield, and I thought, you know what? This may be it. Right now, I could have a stroke and, and die, and nobody will find me in time. and That'd be it. And I was scared. Because I knew that my life with God wasn't exactly where it needed to be at that point. And next thing I remember, I'm in an ambulance heading to the hospital down in Troy. And I thought, what in the world just happened? And that point on, I said, you know what? We're not doing this anymore. Because the reason I was scared to die was because I knew that if I died at that point, there's a good chance I wasn't going to make it to heaven. And so from then on, I've done my best to serve God, to do what's right. And it's hard. It's really hard. Especially on those bad days. Those days when you wake up and you just don't want to get out of bed. Those days when you wake up and you think, man, nothing's going to go right today. Those days are hard. But because of that, because of those bad days, because of all those bad things, my relationship with God is getting stronger and stronger every day. And I pray and I hope that it continues to do that. Now I've come to the fact that, you know what, if I'm in my car again and have a stroke and it's my time to go, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for heaven. I'm ready to see Jesus. But until then, I'm ready and I'm eager to worship God with you guys and with the church family wherever it meets. Then, later on this year, I get a phone call. Um, I was actually up in Chicago at the time. My parents called me and said, we've got some news to tell you. And I thought they were having another kid. That would have been number 11. So I was kind of, you know, smirking. I'm like, oh, here we go again. And so my older siblings were there at the house with mom and dad, and they had me on the phone. And uh, I hear my dad get on the phone, and he goes, 
We debated on whether to tell you this or not, and I heard him uh, start to cry. And he says, there's a good chance that your little brother Sawyer, who's about three, has cancer. Now, Sawyer, he's my little buddy. He's a hoot, I tell you what. And so I sat there for about two hours and cried. And the first thing that I wanted to do was say, God, why? Why a three-year-old boy? But then I realized, Levi, you can't do that. You can't do that. So I got myself together and went home and spent the weekend at home that week. And it was tough because the younger kids didn't know anything about it. He sure didn't know anything about it. And I told myself while I was there, as he slept on my lap while you're sitting on the couch watching cartoons, I said, no matter what the outcome is, I'm going to praise God. Whether they find out that he don't have cancer or whether they find out that he does, I'm still going to serve God. I'm not getting down the dumps. I'm not going to question God, even though I wanted to. And thank God that we got the news that he didn't end up having cancer. And I still praise God to this day for that. You may have stories like that too. Maybe not. And I know it's a little weird preaching like this and it's something that don't normally happen. But I wanted to encourage you with that. And if you're in a storm right now and you don't know where to go, you don't know where to look and you're scared to death, nobody's there for you. I am. But above me, Jesus is. Because just like the disciples, they're out here in the middle of nowhere, scared to death. And before you know it, you look up, and there's Jesus when you need him the most. I know I say this a lot, and it may get old, and it may be a little weird for a guy to say it, but I love each and every one of you. You're my family, whether we know each other real good or not. And if you ever get to the point in your life where you're in that storm, and you don't know where to go, and you just want to give up, don't do it. Call me. Whether that's 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, whatever it is, I'm here for you. And I know there are people here that will be here for you. Life gets rough sometimes. And I know, like I said, I'm only 19, going on 20. And I know for certain there's going to be a lot worse that comes along with my life. Through it all, trust in God. A verse popped in my mind this week on a Thursday night when we got that news. And uh, 
Let me see if I can find it real fast. But it was a verse. It's real good. John chapter 16 and verse 33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Realize this, that no matter how hard our life seems right now, if we stay faithful to God, we do what He says, in the end, we win. It's good news. Some great news. And this morning, I want to encourage you, if you are outside the body of Christ, if you have not accepted Jesus yet, what are you waiting for? What's holding you back? What's holding you back from having the best relationship that you'll ever have with Jesus? He's the only one that's there for you sometimes. He's the one that's going to be there in the middle of the sea when you don't know where you need to go. When you feel like there's, there's nothing else to do, there's Jesus. I love that. I love that part about being a Christian, that whenever I'm struggling, whenever I need somebody, He's there for me. He's just a prayer away. This morning, if you have already accepted Jesus, and you haven't been doing the things that you should be doing, let this morning be the day that you fix that. And I ask you again, what are you waiting for?